Welcome to another episode of Honoring Hidden Heroes brought to you by MilitaryLuggage.com. The Military Luggage Company provides all branches of the military with the best and most comprehensive selection of bags, packs, and cases for field operations, deployments, travel, and even casual use. Welcome back. I cannot believe we are already um, past the halfway point for 2023 and um, halfway past starting Honoring Hidden Heroes. What a great journey it's been just talking to so many people who are doing amazing things for our military members, veterans, their families, and first responders. Um, I'm super excited to interview our guest today. Her name is Kimberly Franco. She is the founder of One Common Bond, a nonprofit in Fayetteville that helps those healing and grieving with loss and dealing with loss. I met Kim when I worked with the Woodpeckers. She came out on a night we held a suicide prevention and awareness night at Segra Stadium for the Woodpeckers. And she set up a table and resources for One Common Bond. And I remember her just being such a great advocate for the cause. And I actually just a couple weeks ago saw on LinkedIn through a mutual connection that One Common Bond had just opened a new community resource center. So me and Kim talk about that a little bit. We wanted to welcome Kimberly Franco to our show today. Hi, Kimberly. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kristen. (laughs) Good. Um, So go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself and um, talk a little bit about One Common Bond and what exactly your organization is. Okay, so I am Kim Franco. I, I, for the majority of my life, I was a soldier. I retired from the active duty army at Fort, what used to be Bragg, what is now Fort Liberty, North Carolina. And um, my background was military police. So I saw a lot of stuff, had to, um, anything you can imagine with military police, law enforcement stuff, combat, uh, the whole gamut of being in military police. In my last two years of being in the military, I was kind of a desk jockey, so I just sat there and did paperwork. And I ran across CCIRs, what's called, it's like a critical incident report of somebody that's in the hospital. And I would get these all the time. It was people that had um, been in the hospital because they attempted suicide. And didn't really think too much of them. And then I lost my brother to suicide, which really made that whole, um, my job a whole lot different because it became real to me. So after that point, I, I stayed in the military a little bit longer. And then I realized that my heart was no longer in sitting at a desk and looking at papers. And I asked to get out early. Luckily, it wasn't an easy process, but I was allowed to retire early And um, I started working suicide prevention literally while I was still on leave from the military. And then after that, um, currently working with the Army Reserve Suicide Prevention Program, I saw a lot of gaps that were there. And I know the Army's a little slow uh, and they're they're governed by a lot of rules. So I didn't want to break those rules. And my best way to meet the solution for what was needed was to start a nonprofit and that's where one common bond came into place. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing the personal story about your brother as well. Um, what exactly does one common bond do? What are some of the programs you have? Um, 
I know just for our listeners here, I saw on LinkedIn that Kimberly, Kimberly and I met in Fayetteville when I was living in Fayetteville. And I saw on LinkedIn that One Common Bond had just opened a community center. And that's kind of when I'm like, okay, really want to get Kim on the show um, to talk more about that. But before you talk about that, can you just talk a little bit about what um, else One Common Bond does in addition to the community center? Okay, so the gap I noticed with the military was that uh, the Army has money, we call it for beans and bullets. Uh, That's what the Army money is for, what taxpayers pay. However, um, in my field, I ran into people who had loss and there was nobody to reach out to them. So I couldn't even buy them a a condolence card with Army money because it's not used for that purpose. Um, My personal experience after I lost my brother was that there was no agency out there to say, hey, we understand your loss, especially when you say the word suicide. It's such a huge stigma. Um, and I I wasn't happy with that. So what One Common Bond initially started out was to say, hey, we're, we understand what this feels like, and we want to come side by side with you and walk through this grief journey with you. Uh, we give them gifts. We call them a grief care package, and it has a journal, a book on, a couple of books on suicide. We put different literature based on the type of loss. Um, and the thing with one common bond is the, the words have meaning in that one common bond that all all humans are going to have is that we're going to experience loss at one point in our lives. We wanted to be that one, you know, central point to say, hey, regardless of how the loss is, we can help you through that. Uh, so we expanded. So we not only do we help with suicides, we help with uh, car accidents, cancer, you name it, uh, any type of loss, we're there to provide a, a gift in your hand that you can walk through that process. And what we try to, what we do say on our webpage a lot is, hey, don't buy people flowers after loss because those flowers are going to die in about a week and they're just reminded of loss. So give them something that they can take and use to help work through that grief and that they can then grow because they have, you know, the tools set up for them to to get through that process in a healthy way. How do people hear about your services or do you have partnerships maybe with like the VA or people that can refer uh, services and organizations that can refer people to you? Well, it's been, it's been a slow process and I, and I've kind of been, it's been intentionally slow because for seven years, one common bond was ran out of my closet at home. (laughs) So it's, you're kind of limited on what you can do. Um, but even still with that, I was able to connect with um, community partners that understand loss. So with the VA, with uh, Fort Liberty Suicide Prevention Program Manager, and then I have um, my civilian job. I'm the Army Reserve Suicide Prevention Program Manager. So I basically cover all of the United States. I have a manager in Germany, um, Hawaii, and Japan. So all of those managers know what I do because anytime I, I have a meeting with them, I say, hey, just so you know, if you have loss, my organization can help out there. So I'm, I'm able to to help with the connections I have through my work. But now that we have the um, Community Connection Center, I'm going to start opening up to uh, to let the community know that we're there as a resource because, um, you know, we, we weren't ready. But now that we are ready, I want to make sure that we're, if we have the doors and we have the space, I don't want it to sit empty. I want people to be able to come in and get the needs, uh, their needs met when it comes to grief and, and other things within the community. 
yeah, so kind of talk about just the process behind opening the community resource center and uh, what you provide there and what people could get help for there or assistance. Yeah, so the the center is it's a small one. Um, if you, if anybody's been to Fayetteville, there's a street called Hope Mills, and it's full of homes that are converted to business. A lot of them are counseling offices or hair salons or insurance companies. Um, ours is one on that main street. It's really central to Fayetteville and Hope Mills and surrounding areas. Um, and what we wanted to do is when you walk in the door of that building, you just feel like it's a place for healing, a place for connection, a place for community. Um, and it starts even from the, I say from the ground up, it's been a labor of love <laughs> for sure. And um, some of the things that we did in the facility is when you walk in that door, it's beautiful hardwood floors that weren't so beautiful before, but uh, we we took those hardwood beaten up floors and wrote words of affirmation all throughout the building. So when you walk in, the first thing you're going to see is the word community, and it's basically burned into the floor. Um, and throughout the floor, we have other words like you matter and uh, love and hope and connection. All throughout, I won't give all the words because we actually do have a scavenger hunt for people that enter the building. We give them a piece of paper and say, hey, here's a scavenger hunt. She go around and find all the words of affirmation on the floor. Um, so that's a pretty cool activity, especially if youth come into the building. Now, what we do there is we have... Uh, we kept it as a home, so we have a, a kitchen, which a lot of people consider that as a hub of the family and a gathering place. So we kept it that way so that you can come in, have a coffee, cup of coffee, maybe with um, somebody who shares the same type of loss as you. Uh, if it's whether it's, you know, we, we do those luncheons for mothers that have lost a child or just before uh, the holidays, we do suicide prevention day where we bring people in and have a meal or just come have a cup of coffee. And I want them to feel comfortable. We also have a classroom, and the idea behind the classroom is to do, I don't want to just focus on suicide. Um, I like to focus on the things that are going to build people up so they don't ever get to that point. So we're doing a lot of resilience building classes in the in the facility um, to include, um, like, effective communication. I've got a friend that's going to be doing CPR classes. I have another friend that has, um, he's already doing work with the youth in the schools, and this will be an opportunity for him to open up the doors on a Saturday morning and bring in, you know, those middle school kids who are struggling and having problems dealing with difficult situations. So that's what I want it to be is just a hub of learning, a hub of connection. Um, and we do have a couple of spaces in the in the building that are for rent, and that just kind of helps us keep the building running. Uh, in the very rear of the building, there's a, a beautiful classroom or what we can use as a as a connection room, a support group meeting. It has a rear entry from the main front because I, I know from personal experience when I used to go to groups and, you know, it's not it's not pretty. You're going to be there. You're crying. You've got, you know, tears and snot and <laughs> everything. So you don't want to be walking through a building while there's a class going on up front. So we try to be mindful of the people that are coming in and give them an, a place to come in the back door. You can have your meeting. You can leave. And nobody knows, um, you know, what you're dealing with. So uh, the building itself is, it, it meets a lot of needs that I've seen. And I'm just really excited that we finally get to open up our doors and, and help the community at least fill a couple of gaps that we've seen that's out there. Yeah. And in case there's anyone listening from the Fayetteville area or, or near there, are all the services free? Is there any registration process? What does that kind of look like? So all of our services are free. Anything that involves support, grief support. 
Um, we don't want that price to be a barrier for people to come in and get the help that they need. So that is all free. Um, what we do is we have the rental spaces and that kind of help augment augments uh, the other things so that we can take care of our community that really is in need. Um, we have our website and uh, it's the onecommonbond.org. That's where everything kind of goes through. We're in the process of setting up a couple of other phone lines in the building, but no matter what, they can always go through the website and get to us there at the um, onecommonbond at gmail.com. Uh, that's kind of our, our central hub to, for, for contact. Honoring Hidden Heroes is brought to you by www.militaryluggage.com. If you're a new listener and wondering what Military Luggage Company does, we supply tough, rugged, and functional gear for all branches of the military and first responders. For our listeners right now, we are offering 10% off your entire order. Enter HHH in the coupon section when you're checking out. Again, for all listeners, if you enter HHH in the coupon code during checkout, you'll receive 10% off your entire order. I know for me and Military Luggage Company, mental health is a very important topic, especially mental health of those um, who are serving in the military, veterans, their families. And we actually just talked to, we just released an episode a couple, a couple months ago about a man who was going through his own mental health problems and was very open on our podcast about that. Um, he served for a long time and now lives with his wife in Colorado Springs and is getting the help he needs, but had, had quite the journey. So what do you think are some common misconceptions about mental health in general? Um, and especially about mental health of military members, veterans, first responders, I think that um, the key thing is is that stigma that's out there. Um, being a military police officer, and I'm, I'm a daughter of a policeman. Um, I'm also a daughter of a, a minister. So both my mother and father are ministers. A lot of times people mistake uh, reaching out for help as a sign of weakness, either, you know, strength, like those those macho type figures of with military or with law enforcement or first responders, or they may say maybe you're even weak in faith if you're a faith-based person who says, hey, there's something wrong and I need to get some mental health care. Um, there's some things you just can't pray away. So um, I think the stigma is one that has been a burden for many and has prevented many people from getting care. Uh, I like to be, a, I'm, I'm very transparent, so I'll say, yep, I, I'm a daughter of a minister and my brother was a, also a, a child of a minister, but he still lost his life. We had that same, the very same um, connections that would build us up, but that just goes to show how, uh, you know, he and I being only 18 months apart, we have differences. It doesn't matter where you come from. Everyone sees difficulties in a different way. Um, and sometimes if, if we can get people to look at it as saying, hey, you know, if you if you break your leg or you, you, you have a bad hip, you're going to go to a doctor without any issues. Well, sometimes when you have, when you're dealing with mental illness, you can say, um, what I like to tell children is like, hey, if you, if your mommy or daddy has a little bit of a, a boo boo on their brain, or you know, and they're they're not quite thinking right, we want them to get help, right? And and just looking at it as that as something just very normal, putting a band aid on a scar. Well, you'd also go get mental health care if you're having um, you know, that that scar that you can't see, that's in your head, or you know, in your and you just can't deal with emotions. But um, I 
I think if we can get our, our leaders to military leaders to, to kind of talk about it and make it normal, then that's a start. Um, and I, I feel like we're really getting there because I've had, um, actually today I had a meeting with our, our three-star general and our whole conversation was on suicides and, and we all open up the door to say, Hey, it, it is okay to seek care. Um, and then the issue we run into is where do you go? Because, um, my population is army reserve. Army reserve soldiers only have medical care if they are on their two days of duty once a month. And so 28 days out of a month, they might not have care. And if they didn't have combat, um, you know, that kind of minimizes the number of resources they have. Um, so I, I, I reach out to military one source or the Cohen network, and I just keep a list of resources to say, hey, this is the resource. This is how much it costs. Because I, I think expectation of, of what's going to come out of my pocket is very critical. And I don't want to give somebody a resource that they realize that they can't afford. Uh, so I like to give out different options. And as I find new ones, I'm like, hey, let me add that to the list. Because I just want to be a resource to say, here's a bunch of, of agencies that you can look at. If they fit, great. If they don't, just keep looking and, you know, I'll help them look as well. I don't have all the answers, but I, I have a huge list of, of places that you can start. <laughs> Exactly. And I, and I know we talk a lot on this podcast, too, about just working together, um, working with different organizations and connecting with people who have the same goal to utilize resources the best and achieve the same goal. Have there been any organizations you've worked with in the community or ways you've accomplished the same goal of helping people deal with grief and loss um, and mental health together? Absolutely. Um, the, the VA is my, my biggest partner. Um, the VA and then, of course, Fort, Fort Liberty um, program manager, because we, we're kind of co-located. He's just a few blocks around the corner from me. Um, so we do we, and we have basically the same population, you know, our military and our veterans. So we can understand um, each other and, and meet the needs that we have. Also within the community, um, you know, there's lots of pockets of people that are that are underserved or maybe just uh, kind of even overlooked. Um, and those are like the outlying smaller ca- communities that don't have, um, you know, the bigger clinics or the bigger hospitals that, that support them. And I know a lot of people travel to the Fayetteville area to get care. Um, I met a lady, one of the local churches here Churches here had a, um, a, a an annual group uh, meeting on suicide prevention. And I met two ladies there that said that they, they drive from Fayetteville, North Carolina to Charleston, one drove to Charleston, South Carolina. The other one drove just north of Raleigh to go to a support group meeting. Um, that, to me, I I had never heard that before, and I, I honestly didn't believe it. But when I looked it up, I was like, oh, my goodness. How do we not have that? <laughs> so that kind of um, sparked me to push faster on getting the Community Connection Center together because I, I just, if people are reaching and they actually have built up that courage to say, hey, I want to reach out to a support group. I don't want them to have to drive all the way to Charleston, South Carolina to do it. Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> that is crazy far. And, um, we're really, you know, thankful. I know the com- Fayetteville community is very thankful for what One Common Bond does and what the community resource center is going to do now that, um, it's close to being launched. Um, so I guess, is there anything you'd like to, anything else you'd like to say or maybe words of advice you have for anyone who's looking to reach out to receive support in any capacity? Yeah, I, I just, 
I would say that um, knowing how my journey has been, um, it's not an easy thing to reach out and ask for help. But when you're ready, we're there. And if it's not us, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, maybe it's somebody else, but have the courage to reach out um, and ask for people to help you because they're, what I've run into are many people who want to help um, and they've just, they're just waiting for somebody to ask. I have volunteers. We're a hundred percent voluntary force. Um, and I have people that are standing by just waiting to run a meeting. And um, sometimes people may never get to the point where they want to reach out. And if that's the case, then I encourage journaling. That's a, that was a huge, a huge thing for me to um, really learn and go through my process and kind of evaluate my, my journey. Uh, and then also literature on what grief looks like. A lot of people might think, hey, this is, you know, why, why, why am I angry? Well, that's, that's normal. That's a typical feeling. Or um, I'm having thoughts of denial. Well, that's, that's normal too. We just want people to understand that the grief process is one that we all go through in our different way. And it's not abnormal to, to have those feelings. Um, but also to understand that if, you, if you're at a place where you're not healthy and your grieving process is actually taking you down a, a path that's, that's not good for you, then we want to connect you to people that can, that can support you. So um, I just say, don't ever give up hope. And if you're, if for people that might be having thoughts of suicide, the pain I can tell you is something that um, for an individual, their pain is, is real. It's absolutely real. Um, and they might eliminate that pain that they have, but the pain that goes on and that's a trickle effect for the family and the friends and the coworkers and the place that the void that they left here on this earth is one that um, is definitely uh, a lot larger than I think they could ever imagine. So um, we want to make sure that we're, we're a resource for help. And one of the things we do have on our website um, on the onecommonbond.org is the training, suicide prevention training. We offer that free of charge, and that's one that it used to have a cost. And I said, hey, I also don't want money to be a barrier to anything. So we, um, we are offering that free of charge, and it's, uh, we have a couple of different versions on the website now. Uh, one of the ones we do, we teach Army Reserve commanders how to build a suicide prevention program. Um, so I'm really excited about that. We do that every single month. We have one that's designed specific to military family members because your soldier might come home and tell you, hey, if I go get care, it's going to ruin my career. And in that class, we break those stigmas and we tell you exactly what's, what's truly going to happen. And then we have another class that's for the general population um, of anyone who just wants to learn the skills of how to identify suicidal people and how to provide them support. So that's um, those are the things that we really try to focus on, giving support and giving trainings that hopefully we can minimize suicides. And just for everyone listening again, um, that's onecommonbond.org. I just want to say thank you on behalf of myself, Honoring Hidden Heroes, how grateful we are to have someone like you and your volunteers um, in the community and here in our nation working really hard. I know you said you have a job and um, just taking the extra hours out of your day to provide this help for people who need it the most and um, to just love on them, which is really hard to find sometimes. So thank you so much for all you do and all One Common Bond does. Thanks, Kristen. I, I appreciate the opportunity. We are just super honored that 
Kim was able to come on the podcast today and talk a little bit about One Common Bond. They are doing so many amazing things in the community. And again, check them out. Their website is onecommonbond.org. And just another note on the suicide prevention training they provide that is free to anyone. So please go check them out. Um, I think suicide prevention training is super important as we're talking more about mental health and as mental health is really becoming such a big um topic in our world today. So thanks again to Kim and One Common Bond. We will catch you again next month. And thanks for listening.